out there in podcast land. You're set to dial once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, your first best and only all-encompassing Combat Sports podcast. Today for episode 61, we're going to have our jam-packed full-on episode full of, we're going to start off a little bit of bare-knuckle fighting championship from Friday night, move into a full, full, in-depth breakdown of last night's UFC Vegas 18 fight night, Volkov versus Overeem, then our picks for UFC 258's main card with Usman versus Burns, Drea's world-famous drop of the night. We're also going to get into a little bit of Q&A with the Rhino Gang, and then UFC heavyweight, the mad titan himself, Jorgen DeCastro, goes 10 rounds with Rhino. So let's get our swim chunks in our flipping floppies. I'm going to dive right in. Our bare-knuckle fighting championship from Tampa, Florida on Friday night. I'm only going to cover three fights. They're the three that interested me the most. We have the 135-pound belt on the line, the undefeated in bare-knuckle mania, or our bare-knuckle fighting championship, Johnny Bedford, was fighting Dat Wen. And for those of us who are football fans from the 90s, Dat Wen was a linebacker for Texas A&M and then the Cowboys. That's the first person I think of when I think of Dat Wen. But this is a different Dat Wen, a former pro boxer, now fighting a bare-knuckle fighting championship versus Johnny Bedford. This one was a really tight back-and-forth match. Uh, Wen was much smaller than Bedford, but much quicker. It was it was entertaining. I don't know what to tell you. It was an entertaining fight. Which unanimous decision for Dat Wen. Uh, then moving into my favorite fight of the night, Chris the Crippler leaving. Former Rhino Ganger, Rhino Gang Gang Gang, tough one alum, longtime UFC vet. Chris the Crippler leaving was going against Quinton Henry. Um, it started out weird. Quinton Henry got punched in the eye with a knuckle and went down like he got poked. Then started screaming on the ground like a madman. <laughs> But Gamely got up, and then, of course, Chris did what Chris does. Grabbed him, hit him with a bunch of, you know, uppercuts and inside shots. Then, like, a left shovel punch. Hit uh, hit Quentin right in the face, knock him down and out. Just 107 into the first round. Chris the Crippler Lieben gets his retirement fight. Going off on a win. Very, very cool. Big codus to the legend, Chris Lieben. Then, when we get to the main event, we had Paige Van Zandt versus Britton Hart. Uh, this one was... Not what I expected. I thought Paige was going to be much more aggressive, kind of show out. Like that's the whole reason she went to bare knuckle was to like show her toughness and show her aggression. And it didn't work out that way at all. She was really passive. Uh, she's she was like more technically clean than Britton Hart, but dude, Britton Hart threw a lot more punches. She was far more aggressive. She definitely you know led the dance and she got the unanimous decision, which was deservedly so. Uh, Paige Van's that I don't know if she's planning on fighting a bare knuckle again. If she's going to try to move over to Bellator, I'm not sure. But that was not a good performance by her. And clearly, bare knuckle is not where she is comfortable because that girl, Britton Hart, is no world beater. And she really took care of Paige uh, from start to finish, as far as I could tell. So, yeah, that was bare knuckle mania from Tampa, Florida. Uh, then let's go ahead and get into our UFC Las Vegas 18. We'll go ahead and get going with our prelims. Already our UFC Vegas 18 prelims started off with O'Day Osborne versus Jerome Rivera. This one was pretty quick. <laughs> Jerome Rivera threw a high kick. O'Day Osborne uh, kind of rolled with it and then threw a straight left down the pipe. Completely smoked Rivera in the face. Put him on the ground. A couple more shots of ground and pound for the finish. Great win for O'Day Osborne at 145. He's talking about moving all the way down to 125. So we'll be a little interested to see what happens for him next. Uh, then moving into Timur Valiev versus Martin Day. Uh, you know, lo lots of hard leg kicks early for Valiev. 
a lot of takedowns and top control for the remainder of the fight. This one was really one way traffic of Valley. Not the most exciting fight in the world. He really took Martin day down a lot, had a lot of top control. Day just could not seem to get out from underneath him. Yeah. Big unanimous decision win for Timur Valiev at 145 pounds. Then moving into the surpriser for me of the prelims anyway, was Yusef Zalal and Sung Woo Choi. Sung Woo Choi, the uh, Canadian, the South Korean Muay Thai champion really showed his stuff. He used the cage very well. He kept Zalal on his bike, uh, hit him with a lot of kicks and punches. I was really impressed with him. Uh, he got the very clear unanimous decision over Yusef Zalal, who I thought for sure was going to win that fight. So big ups to Sung Woo Choi on that one, dude. Uh, also, that was, again, also 145 pounds. Uh, moving into, oh, man, the bummer of the prelims. Uh, Meatball Molly McCann versus uh, Lara Prokipo. Oh, man. Prokopio. All right, we'll go with that one. <laughs> uh, Molly came out quick, but then it was all Laura from that that point moving forward. Laura took her down. She held over against the cage. She landed a little ground and pound when they were up against the cage. Little knees, little elbows, little fists. It was just definitely one-way traffic. There was the one bright spot for Molly when she got her in a really tight arm bar, but I think they said Lara, both of Lara's parents are Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu coaches and trainers, so then she was in no way going to panic and tap to that. So a big unanimous decision win for uh, Lara. Meatball left her gloves in the middle of the cage, which usually signifies a retirement. I don't know what has become of that since that could have been just a homage to her father who passed away on this day, whatever year ago. I'm not sure, but we'll have to wait and see what's next for these two. I hope Molly didn't retire. I really like watching her fight and juice loves doing her accent. So I hope that she stays fighting because she's got more to contribute. Uh, moving into Carol Rosa versus Jocelyn Edwards. This one was, this one was bloody dude. Carl Rosa was getting the better of Jocelyn and then Jocelyn threw a, uh, like a seven, eight punch combination and really clipped Carl Rosa in the mouth and in the nose and really opened up a gnarly big cut inside of Rosa's mouth. That was just bleeding over and over again, really painted the canvas. Uh, Carol Rosa did a great job of continuing to take her down, continuing to maintain top control. Jocelyn really didn't look as she was too comfortable on the ground. She did get out of a couple of positions, but it was really Rosa almost the entire time. Got the unanimous decision for her at 135. So we'll see what's next for her moving forward. Uh, moving into Justin James versus Devontae Smith. The thing that stood out for me first for Devontae Smith was when he was kind of taken down up against the cage, he fucking flipped Justin so fast. It was such strong hips. What a reversal. One of the best reversals of a ground uh, position that I've seen all year, if not for a long, long time. Then Devontae Smith gets behind him and throwing some kind of punches from the side and from the top. Really makes Justin's eye blow up like a balloon. Uh, that Dr. Stoppage, dude. Dr. Stoppage due to the swelling of the eye. He couldn't see out of it. Clear cut win for Devontae Smith. Really, really excited to see what's next for him. Uh, right now, moving into fight number seven. Uh, we'll now get on our main card. We had my man, Rhino Ganger, Slow Mike Rodriguez versus Danilo Marquez. This one was tough for Mike, dude. He wanted to keep the fight standing. He did a good job when he was standing. Nice punches to the body. Straight shots, straight twos down the pipe. But Danilo was really strong in the clinch. Really good job of taking Mike down and then kind of backpacking him while they were down there. And then in round two, Danilo uh, secured a rear naked choke. Mike went out. Submission round two for Danilo Marquez. 
Um, I think Mike Rodriguez will be back. I think he just needs to find somebody who's going to stand with him and bang because that's his game, and he's really exciting when he does that. So we stick with him. We still got our fighters win, lose, or draw, so we're still riding with Mike Rodriguez, dude. Alrighty, I know this is a little bit out of order. No, I think this is in order. Our next fight was, man, the fight of the night. <laughs> Benil Dariush versus Diego Fajeda. Both guys banged on the feet the entire time. Big knees, big leg kicks, beautiful takedowns and takedown defense. Scrambles, this fight had it all. Benil Dariush, I thought, won at least two of the rounds, if not all three. Somehow the judges had to be a split decision, but at the end of the day, the right guy wins. Benil Dariush gets a split decision over Diego Fajeda. What a fight. Fantastic job by both guys. Alrighty, moving into 125 pound division. We had Alejandre Pantoja versus Manel Cape. Manel coming from a different organization um, where he's had some great success. Pantoja, again, very good fighter. They they put on like um, super speed, right? 125ers are often fast, but these guys were even fast for 125ers. So both of them put on a pretty good performance. Lots of back and forth, lots of speedy strikes. Nothing that really landed brutal, you know? There's not a ton of power at 125. So Pantoja got the unanimous decision. I thought that was the right call. So good win for Alejandro uh, Pantoja. I think Cape will be back. I think he needs to a little bit less showboating, a little bit more pressure and moving forward. And I think he'll be all right. So then we're going to backtrack to oh, so Michael Johnson versus Clay Guida, like two OGs, right? This one was old school Clay Guida, dude. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Big overhand right, trying to get into the level change, trying to get Michael down, which he did. Um, Michael Johnson did a good job all the way around the feet of landing shots. He's always been a really good striker. But Clay Guida, man, he was not to be denied last night. Great pressure. His cardio is always insane. Even at 39 years old, um, yeah, big win for Clay Green to get in the decision over Michael Johnson, who's got some fantastic wins in the UFC. So two OGs getting after it. It was a fun fight to watch. Good job on Clay Green for getting back in the win column. I think he said for the first time since uh, early 2019. So good for him. Then the one of the KOs of the year, dude. <laughs> anyway, you want a fucking choice. I love Frankie Edgar. I always have. But Corey said, hey, like less than a minute into the fight, less than 30 seconds into the fight. Throws an incredible flying knee. Hits Frankie Edgar right on the jaw. Corey Sanhagen, first round knockout. Unbelievable over Frankie Edgar. Wow, Frankie's two and four in his last six. I don't know what's next for him. Maybe retirement, maybe one more kind of a middle card kind of a fight. I'm not sure. But what a performance by Corey Sanhagen. Really trying to stamp his flag into the mountain of, I'm here, I'm ready for a title shot. Give me in there. I want the winner of Jan and Sterling. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. But what a flying knee for San Hagen. Already moving into our main event, we had Alistair the Reem Overeem versus Alexander Drago Volkov. Wow, there was lots of feeling out in the very first parts of the round. I mean, Volkov threw kind of a quick flurry, but Overeem was really, really good at covering up. So, for the most of it, it was kind of distance checking and kind of long jab of Volkov. You know, Overeem would explode with a few laughs, but nothing really of note. And then in the second, dude, big damaging one-twos by Volkov using his big six-seven frame. They actually have the same reach, but Volkov seemed to be fighting taller, using his reach better, um, really walking Alistair down, knocked him down, got the TKO with a straight shot at 253 in round two, and he actually outlanded Alistair 
46 to nine in total strength. So that just shows you the domination over two rounds. <clears throat> Excuse me, of Alexander Volkov. So great job by him. Big win over Alistair, the Reem over him, who's a longtime fantastic heavyweight fighter. Uh, yeah, great win for Volkov. So that is going to conclude our UFC Vegas 18 breakdown. So, D. Rainey, let's go ahead and give Dre a call and get her world-famous drop of the night. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Rhino Gang. Now joining us is our future player, Dre. Got to give us our world-famous Dre's drop of the night for this week. I don't think there's much... Uh, we're wonder about who's gonna get the job of the night from last night. But Dre, why don't you go ahead and give us your world famous Dre's drop of the night? Well, I think you're right. It's safe to say that we all know what Dre's drop's gonna be today. Uh Corey Sanhagen shocked the world last night, just twenty-eight seconds into round one with UFC veteran Frankie Edgar. Sanhagen lands this flying knee that knocks Frankie out absolutely cold uh it was a beautiful ko but actually a bit scary for me as well i mean when i saw him laying there just completely cold for a little bit it was a little bit terrifying but um beautiful ko nonetheless so my drop of the night goes to Corey sanhagen yeah he definitely was one of those knockouts where it looked like a sniper shot him from the rafters you know what i mean just completely stiff legs yeah (laughs) didn't didn't put his hands out just went head first into the camera Uh really brutal now some fighters i don't mind seeing that happen to them but just somebody like but when it's frankie edgar Edgar, (laughs) you don't like it right exactly i know Um, uh, i know i've been seeing all morning people saying okay everyone can you please stop showing the video (laughs) (laughs) i bet you're getting ko'd please Good news is it seems like Frank and the answer Edgar is okay. So let's go ahead yeah. and uh, get into our UFC 258 main card picks. I'll go ahead and get us started. I've got Marquez beating Maki Patolo by third round TKO. What's your pick on that one, future play Adrea? Uh, I am going Marquez beating Patolo as well. I'm going a clean KO uh, in round two. Round two KO for Marquez. All righty. Let's get into Jimmy Rivera, the longtime vet, versus another tough veteran, Pedro Munoz. I've got Jimmy Rivera by third round submission. And I'm even calling the submission. I am calling the Mata de Leon, the rear naked choke, as it were. Jimmy Rivera, third round over Pedro Munoz. What about you? Um, I'm actually going to go with the underdog on this one, and I'm going Pedro Munoz. Uh, I think it's going to go the distance. But a close fight. So I'm going to go Munoz with a split decision. All right. So then moving into Ian Heinrich versus Calvin Gastelum. I surprised myself on this pick. You know what I mean? To be honest with you, I I really broke it down. I I, I wanted to lean towards Calvin, but you know what? I'm going with Ian Heinrich. I'm going Ian Heinrich, unanimous decision uh, over Calvin Gastelum in this fight. What about you? I'm going Gastelum. I'm taking Gastelum in a TKO round two. Alrighty, moving into Alexa Grasso versus Macy Barber. This one is, again, this is a really tough, close fight, but I'm going with Alexa Grasso over Macy Barber by split decision. So I think it'll be razor close. I got Grasso split decision over Macy Barber. What's your call on this one? I agree with you on uh, Grasso. I'm taking her, but I think it's going to be a unanimous, unanimous decision for Grasso. Moving into the belt to the 170 championship Kamaru Usman versus Gilbert Burns. 
I think this is going to be Usman all day. I think he's going to do what he does. I think he's going to push Gilbert up against the cage. I think he's going to use his uh, strength to do what he's always done, which is beat people up against the cage. He's going to do what he does. Yeah, he's going to beat them up (laughs) against the cage. I think for all five rounds, I think Burns will have his moments. I hope Burns Mm -hmm. has his moments, so it's not a boring fight. But I got Usman a very clear cut, like literally winning four or five of the rounds decision over uh, Gilbert Burns. What's your call on that one? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think he's just going to do what he he always does, hold him up against the cage, grind him out, and um, take a unanimous decision. Right. All right, so let's go ahead and get into our Twitter questions. Future play, Adria, for episode 61 of CSWR. I know our first one comes from our girl, APB. What do you got this week for us, APB? Okay, so APB says, here's my question for your show. Why are Benil Dariush and Carlos Diego Ferreira ranked so low? Both have had long win streaks and have performed well in the UFC for a long time. Neither have made a run for the title, but Michael Chandler can knock out one top 10 guy and immediately be ranked in the top five. What's up with that? That's a great question, ATB. A big part of it is name recognition and rankings of the opponents you beat. For Daryush, Drakkar Close and Drew Dober are probably the most known opponents during this kind of you know streak that he's been winning uh, until last night with Diego Fajeda. Diego's are probably Jared Gordon and Showtime Pettis. Uh, no one in the top five, no real star power names. Maybe you could make a case for Showtime Pettis. But I, I, again, but I'm in the camp of I don't think Chandler deserves a title shot yet either. Um, but what he is really going for him is that he was a major star at Bellator. I know for some people that's kind of like being the nicest guy in prison. Like doesn't mean that much to you, right? <laughs> but he was still a very, he was a big star, a big name over in Bellator. Uh, a lot of people knew him. He had some really big wins over there. The The thing about it is when we brought him over, I should say we like I'm in the UFC breath. When they brought him over, he, he blitzed right through uh, Dan Hooker. And that was something that really opened a lot of people's eyes. Uh, he's definitely someone that is has a lot of pub behind him, right? A lot of publicity, a lot of push. I think they want something new interjected into that division. So that's that's probably another big reason why he's even in the conversation. Um, yeah, he destroyed Hooker, dude, and he was a top-ranked guy. So to me, it's a mix of you know who you beat, when you beat him, and the number that was next to their name, which kind of gets you pushed into that conversation for a title shot. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the answer on that one. So thank you so much. APB. That's a great question. Uh, next comes from our homie from Canada, RSP. RSP, what do you got for us this week? My dude. As a hardcore Reem stand, watching Alistair Overeem lose like that last night really hurt. But within every cloud, there's a silver lining. Volkov is 6'7", has an 80-inch reach, and put on a hell of a show against one of the greatest strikers ever in the UFC heavyweight division. What are your thoughts on Volkov being John Jones' first opponent at heavyweight? They have similar reach, and Volkov has shown vast improvements in his ability to fight long, especially off the jab. I think he's a great first test for thick boy John, or do you have another (laughs) opponent in mind? (laughs) <laughs> um, for Stick me, with dude, two C's, I should say. Yeah, right. right double- <laughs> you laugh. Um, I absolutely love that idea of those two fighting. My hesitation is, I just don't. I don't think that the UFC will push for that for John Jones' first kind of foyer into the heavyweight fights. Right? Um, I think the UFC wants to give him someone that he'll still have a decent amount of height and size on. So I'm thinking someone more like Marcin Tybura 
or Blagoy Ivanov. They're both, you know, top 15. They're both, he's still going to be taller than, he's still going to have a big reach advantage over. I think that's going to be somebody more like who's going to have a debut against. My hesitation with someone like Volkov, which like I said, I would love that fight. I just think that they're going to look at Gustafsson one because Gustafsson had a little bit of a height advantage on John, on John and, uh, I, 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 we all saw how that fight went. It was so close. I think Volkov would be too scary for them to be worried that he was finally get John could get finished in that fight. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's what's going to be for his first fight in the uh, UFC heavyweight division. Again, I think it's going to be someone more like Marcin Tempura or Blagoy Ivanov. So that's what I see for John for his first uh, UFC heavyweight fight. But that's a great question, dude. And I do hope we get to see Volkov versus John down the road. Because I think that'll be an awesome fight. So thank you so much, RSP. All right, let's move into my homie, Doc, my longtime best friend of 25 years. Doc, what do you got for us this week, my brother? Great main event last night, and it got me thinking, who do you think is the heavyweight champ at the end of 2021? Uh, For me, dude, it's Francis the Predator and Ganu, all day, every day, twice on Sunday. I love Stipe as a fighter and as a human being, first responder, you know, I really like Stipe. Here's a problem. I know that Stipe already beat him the first time they fought. Again, we've talked about this on the show before, and Ganu has improved in a lot of areas since then. Mm-hmm. I, I worry that uh, we saw Daniel Cormier knock Stipe out with a little check hook. Now, granted, it was on the sweet spot and all, but you're telling me that from that angle, Daniel Cormier can kind of provide the same power that Francis Ngannou can? Oh, no, 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 sir. Francis Ngannou has twice the punching power of DC, if not more. I think it is almost a supernatural type of power. I think his confidence is going to be through the roof. I think Francis Ngannou not only is going to beat Stipe, but then be able to defend his title at least once or twice more in 2021. So my answer on that is going to be Francis Ngannou, my current favorite fighter on the entire UFC roster. I think he's champion in 2021. Um, So yeah, that's my answer on that one, Doc. Thank you so very much. So, Drea, I believe that is the extent of our Twitter questions for today. I've got a slew of I got a slew of uh, voice questions. Voice questions. Yeah, awesome. so this is where we say goodbye to you. But thank you once again for your incredible performance on Drea's Drop of the Night. <laughs> of your course. Twitter question reading, <laughs> your picking of UFC 258. Now, again, we picked we picked last night, and I think I only beat you by one. Is that does that sound right? Yes, you beat me by one. So you really did, neither one of us really did very well. No, we really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I really didn't do well. <laughs> I think I was six and six. So I think I was five hundred. So yeah, you're right. Neither one of us were like big time prognosticators when it came to last night's fight night. No, but I was, the, it was the night of underdogs. I think <laughs> the reason <laughs> the reason I brought it up was because I really I need you to step your game up because I beat you like five or six times I in know. a row now, and I'm tired. I of know. It. I need you to get yeah, back right. into the game. <laughs> you're not tired of it. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much again. Okay, I'm gonna have to <laughs> be praying to the MMA gods for <laughs> for next week. I'm gonna beat you now. I love it. I love having you, Andre. You are my favorite feature player. And thank you so much for joining us again this week. All right. See you next week. See ya. All right, let's go into our voice questions today for episode 61 of CSWR. I know our first one comes from my big homie, Jim Soon. Jim, what do you got for us this week, my dude? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Well, that was a good fight card for sure. You know, some really good fights on it. My picks weren't too good, but I really don't give a fuck. As long as they're great fights, I don't give a fuck how my picks do, to be honest with you. I'm not a betting man, you know what I mean? I got better things to spend my money on. Yeah, like weed, don't fuck, I know what you're all thinking. 
my question for you this week is, uh, what's next for Benio Darush, man? I love that guy. I'd love to see uh, Dan Hooker, someone like that. I'm actually happy to watch Chandler starts Hooker right here on the TV right now. But uh, that's my question for you, man. What's next for Benio Darush? Because he's in a tough spot. Uh, anyways, keep up the great work, man. Love the podcast. Go Chiefs and long live Chris Lieben. It's always 420, kids. Peace. Oh, great question. Next for Benil, I think I'd very much like to see what would happen if he got in the cage with either Paul Felder or Tony Ferguson. Now, again, both guys coming off losses. I, I, and I know Benil just won. However, that's that next tier up for Benil. He's got to, he's got to hurdle somebody like that. So I think both are ranked ahead of him at 155. Again, they're coming off losses. I think either way, the matchups would be lots of fun for us as the fans. We see some creative striking. We see some spinny shit. There would be good work uh, to stay on the feet. If anybody tried to get somebody to the ground, I think it's uh, they're very tough pick em fights either way. So for me, I would love to see either Tony Ferguson, El Kikui, or Paul the Irish Dragon Felder going against Benil Darius next. That would be my absolute choice for what's next for Benil. So thank you very much, Jim. Already moving into our next one, we've got Juice from the Funny With Myself and Breaking the Fourth Wall podcast. Juice, eat fruit, baby. What do you got for us this week, my dude? What's up, Rhino? It's your boy Juice from the Funny With Myself podcast. We've got a couple of interesting fights next weekend to talk about. It's a pretty stacked card, even on the undercard. And uh, an esteemed member of the Rhino gang, Miranda Maverick, is fighting. And she's taking on Jillian Roberts. Now, in my opinion, this is a big step up in competition for her. Um, Jillian has struggled on the feet, and that's where Miranda shines. But if Jillian get it to the mat, I don't know if I like Miranda's chances. But let me know what you think. Also, uh, Jim Miller and Bobby Green are taking on. This is like you know a fight between two like OG vets of the game, which I'm really excited for. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And I swear to God, if you pick Macy Barber, dude, it's on sight. Anyway, love you. I actually love the matchup between Miranda and Jillian, dude. And you know what? I could just kind of parallel with the fight between Bobby Green and Jim Miller, dude. At the core of these fights, it's old school. It's striker versus grappling. If Miranda and Bobby, respectively, can keep their fight standing, I absolutely think they both win. I think Miranda gets the win over Jillian. I think Bobby gets the win over Jim. Conversely, I think if this fights, these fights go to the ground, both Miranda and Bobby are in big trouble because Jim and Jillian both great top pressure, great submission work from the ground, very, very high level skilled fighters on the ground. So for me, it's almost kind of, you know, what are you going to pick? If you can get it, keep it on the feet. Miranda wins for sure. Bobby wins for sure. If that fight takes most of the place on the ground, I got Jim Miller and I got Jillian winning those fights. So that's what's going to be on that on that one. So yeah, I think it's a great step up for uh, for Miranda, and I think it's going to be a great OG fight between Bobby and Jim. So great question, Juice. You guys haven't already absolutely check out Juice at the Funny with Myself podcast about MMA, or if you're into the theater, check him out on Breaking the Fourth Wall. All right, moving into our third one today comes from our homie Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz on Twitter and Instagram. Dave, what is your question this week, my brother? Hey, Rhino, what's up? Hey, what's going on, Rhino? This is Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Benil Dariush, man, fantastic. Uh, I absolutely fantastic. love this guy. That's right, buddy, fantastic. 
Um, what do you what do you think is 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 next for him? What do you think it would be a good fight uh, for Darius next? Um, second part to the question. Uh, not even sure how to word it, man. But uh, do you think that there's a, a thicker division out there than lightweight right now? If so, uh, what is it? Um, that division is really complex right now. Maybe it's the fact that uh, Khabib is just stepping away. I'm not sure what it is, but it just seems so tight in there right now. Anyway, love to hear your thoughts. Peace, man. Hey, Judah, Combat Sports with Rhinos, big mascot supreme. Hope you're having a good weekend, my dude. All right, so we kind of answered part one in uh, Jim's question. Uh, so part two, I think you're spot on. 155 pounds or or lightweight uh, is by far and away the most jammed up division. I, I think I think Khabib is retired. Okay, I think that's what's happening, but I'm not sure. We can't we can't be sure, right? But then you have Dustin, you've got Dubronx, you've got Gaethje, you've got Chandler now making his case for a title shot. Right below them, obviously, you got Tony, Connor, RDA, um, Ally Quintas right in that fringe, Kevin Lee, now Benil's making a case, so right in that next tier below them. So there are a lot of interesting matchups that can be made. Unfortunately, I think Dan Hooker and Diego Fajeda now are slid down the bench, if you will. So you're talking about those seven, eight guys are all kind of vying for it. Um, I think there's a lot of super interesting matchups that can be made. Again, for me, I think it should be Dubronx and and Dustin Poirier for the title, not the interim title, for the title. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen, dude. But yeah, 155 is, is a fucking shark tank full of killers. I really look forward to seeing how this all plays out in 2021 at 155 pounds. So, Dave, great question. If you guys haven't already, of course, check out my man Dave Fretz on Twitter and IG. The dude is the Einstein of Revit Design and my man Broski. Thank you so much, Dave. Alrighty, moving to our last voice question. Comes from the homie D-Crons. D-Crons, what do you got for us this week, dude? Hey, hey, what's going on, Rhino? Um, man, the co-main and main were fireworks last night. It's hard seeing two legends fall like that. But uh, Frankie was KO'd by who I'm sure is a future champion in Sandhagen. That kid is amazing. Um, I couldn't be the only one that noticed last night. I believe it was during the Rosa uh, Edwards fight. Somebody farted. I don't know if you noticed, Rhino. How does that make you feel? Did you hear that? Anyway, I'd like the UFC to get to the bottom of that. <laughs> Very unprofessional, guys. <laughs> anyway, um, I hope everyone has uh, an awesome Sunday. Enjoy your silly foosball, and I can't wait for the show, Rhino. Peace. More traction on the TL than I could have ever possibly imagined. Okay, first of all, I'm not even. I'm not certain there was a fart. That could have been... Um, you know, something pushing up against the cage, it could have been. But let's just assume that it was a fart. I'm not sure who actually farted. Could it have been DC? Sure. Could it have been one of their commentators? Absolutely. Could it have been one of the fighters? Yes. There's no crowd in there, so we're hearing things we don't normally hear. Perhaps a cameraman could have been one of the guys in the truck. You, you just really don't know, dude. We may never know. 
And it may come down to one of those great unconfirmed mysteries of our time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure, bro. But again, it, it is what it is. And it was funny, a little bit of levity in, in an intense situation. So thank you so much, homie D. Kranz. We love you, buddy. Hope you're doing well up in Canada. This was a very Canadian heavy voice question uh, section, and I'm all for it. So thank you so much, homie. All right. So after a quick word of our sponsor, let's get into our 10 rounds with Rhino with UFC heavyweight Jorgen the Mad Titan. DeCastro. Hey, Rhino gang. Are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen of the Rhino Gang, we've got ourselves a very special guest. As everybody listens to the show knows, it is my most favorite division. The heavyweights, the big boys, the Mad Titan has joined us today. Jorgen DeCastro, just a few weeks out, about nine weeks out from his next UFC fight. Jorgen, thank you so much for joining us today, my friend. Thank you for having me, my brother. My pleasure. Oh, dude, I'm so glad to have you on. If you guys don't see this guy, not, not only is he a badass fighter, but he's got a million-dollar smile going on over here. Jorgen, <laughs> <laughs> we are so stoked to have you on, my friend. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Our first question for round one is, can you tell us how you first got involved in combat sports? Like, what's the origin story? What's the genesis of the Mad Titans journey in mixed martial arts? Yeah, I, get, I, get, I first get involved in, uh, that was in Portugal, 2007. I was just uh, um, looking to get in shape and learn how to defend myself, and uh, that was my fight. My first contact with a with a with a sport was kickboxing. Oh, okay. Kickboxing was your foyer into mixed martial arts. Yes. Very cool. Uh, we talked about it a little bit in the intro. Your next fight uh, for the UFC is on April 10th versus Jarjus Danho. Uh, so that means we're about nine weeks out from the fight. When, when you're in a training camp, what does nine weeks out look like for you in training? Are you still going super hard? Are you looking at kind of lighter training right now and you're going to get into the harder stuff later? Where are we at right now in fight prep? Yeah, right right now it's really hard because I went to I, I did a mistake that went to vacation in December. I went back to Portugal. So there was 17 days of, of eat and drink, whatever I want. So I... <laughs> That <laughs> that was that was a bad that was a bad call because then I, I I get back here I was uh, so we waiting like three weeks ago was two eighty so then now I'm training three times a day between uh, running in the morning lifting in the afternoon and and the MMA drills and like jujitsu kickbox afternoon so it's three times a day 
this this couple of weeks is going to be really hard. We 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 hope to like to get to where we want by by March, and then the last six weeks will be nice and, and relaxed. But right now it's really hard. Right now my body's beat up. Sure, sure. We're we're in grind mode right now. I understand what you're saying completely. Uh, you and I are very similar in size. Um, and, and, you know, I'm also about 6'1", about 280. Um, I, I, I was known in my time as a very heavy puncher. You are a very heavy puncher. You got that one-punch KO power. We saw it on the Contender Series. We've seen it in your fights. Has that always been a part of your repertoire, was the heavy KO power, or is that something you kind of developed over time? Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't really, like, believe it till I started to knock guys out, which was in the heavyweight, because I used to fight at I, I 185, a, a 205, but I never felt so confident, so strong when I fight in a heavyweight. So I got two prior fights before UFC as a heavyweight, and I just knocked the guy out. I did a kickboxing, yeah. knocked the guy out. I did a MMA, same thing. And and I say, well, man, I think I'm a heavyweight. Because <laughs> the power is different. And I ne- even like I'm small, like you say, 6'1 for heavyweight, but I feel confident. I think I can go with anyone. But as a as a two five, the confidence wasn't the same. I was I was not there. I feel I feel good at heavyweight. No, I completely get you, dude. Uh, in October of two thousand nineteen, you beat Justin Taffa on the undercard of Whitaker Adesanya. You want to talk about a major spotlight for a UFC debut? That's it. You went from the Contender Series to being on the undercard of one of the biggest pay per views of the year. Uh, can you kind of walk us through what that experience was like? Not only was it your first UFC fight, but it was it's such a huge pay-per-view event. What was that kind of like for you, man? Yeah, that was surreal, man. That that was that was like a, d- a dream come true for me, cause even like like you say, from Contender Series was like forty people over there watching me fight. I went from forty people to fifty-seven thousand people in the football stadium, and, and the funny thing was, all of them was cheering against me. Right. So <laughs> yeah, that, that was the walk. Everything was crazy, but but as I was making that that walk, I say, I mean, this this is what I want for life. I mean, this is my chance to to steal the show and and, and make all those those, those people cheer on me in my next fight. So and went just like I, I planned. If you write, if you wrote a script, could it go better than that? No, you're absolutely right, dude. It, it, it reminded me kind of like, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with Rocky IV, but Rocky IV has to go to Russia and fight Drago, and at the beginning of the hour, booing him and jeering him, and then by the end, they were all cheering for him. So you had a lot of fans you made after that night, my friend. Uh, yes, you're, that, you're, 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 you're in Massachusetts, where you've called home for a long time. Um, I've talked to a lot of guys from your area, Randy Costa, Joe Gennetti, Mike Rodriguez, before about the CES promotion. The CES promotion, to me, is one of the most premier regional scenes in MMA that, that has ever been seen. Some of the best fighters have gone through that organization, yourself included. What was the CES experience like for you, and do you feel like it got you really ready to fight for the UFC? Yeah, man, uh, CES was great for me. They always treat me good. I mean, I fought three times for them. I mean, you you don't you don't get an easy matchup in CES. They they're tough. I mean, is in UFC fight pass. They they gotta they can give you like people will build the records, get some cans, and the, in the CES doesn't doesn't happen that way. You gotta fight tough competition, but is is a way. I think it's a quick way to get to UFC because you for you gotta fight better guys. On my fourth fight, I fought someone who was fourteen professional fight. So, but you're gonna be ready for for the next step. So, CES. To me, CS was the was the my my steer to the UFC. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree, dude. Like I said, we've been, CES. We had the you know we had the privilege to be able to watch CES on Access Fights for years. You know what I mean? Just like the LFA and the RFA, uh, CES got a lot of showtime, which was really really cool for those of us who live away from the Northeast, so we could see the kind of talent rich division. And you're absolutely right uh, in that they they were one of the promotions that put on the really competitive fights. Exactly. So you, you exactly. Guys, well, to me, was 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 good because I, I turned pro at 29, so I had no time to build my record. I have to go through tough competition. And, and CES was perfect for me. They signed me up. I said, I mean, it is what it is. We're going to fight tough guys, but we're we going to get close to UFC. Yeah, no, I totally agree. What a great what a great perspective from you on that one, my friend. Uh, so you were born, and I was not aware of this. You were born in Cape Verde, which is a beautiful yeah. island nation off the coast of West Africa. Yes. What, the move when you moved from there, and how did you end up in Fall River, Massachusetts, of all places? Yeah, I, I originally moved from, from uh, Cape Verde to Portugal. Then I lived in Portugal for five years. So I was, uh, like I say, I started, I started kickboxing in 2007, but then I, I started to like it. Uh, after six months, I was fighting already, amateur, a couple of fights. And all my family lived here in Brockton, Brockton, Mass., so my, one of my uncles said, if, if, if you really like to do combat sport and you want to do this for a living and uh, I can see that you have some talent, uh, you should come to America and let me introduce you to MMA. Took me two months to decide. Uh, he, we talked in October and December I was here in, in U.S. I ended up coming to Brockton, but then for some different reasons, I, I moved to Fall River and Fall River has been my home. Everybody like myself who is a historical boxing fan knows about Brockton, Massachusetts, my friend. We know <laughs> the guys that have come out of there, and you have yeah. put yourself directly in that lineage, and what a very cool story. I didn't know anything about the Brockton connection. I only knew about Fall River, yeah. so that's – I'm geeking out right now, you are going to – Yeah, all, all, all my family from uh, there, they still so live. So your, your, uh, your last fight was a very tough decision lost against Carlos Felipe. We know that we're always improving as professionals. Uh, coming off from an L, we – Nine times out of ten, we seem to fill up the holes that we found in that. But you know what I mean? Um, so what's an aspect of your MMA game that you feel like you've really improved on from that point to now? Uh, that fight, a lot of things happened, too. I, I should even be in that fight. I, I, I budget disc in my back five weeks prior to that fight. I couldn't drink. But that's not an excuse. I mean, it is what it is. I got, I got out strike. I got, uh, the guy was smarter than me. He ended up beating me up. I, and I was sitting way too much. Uh, so that gave me a, a different perspective of, of what I want for fight. I used to fight different when I was amateur. I used to come forward, throw bombs, and and kill or be killed. And this last fight seems that I, I didn't want to lose, so I end up didn't do enough to win either. So I don't. I want. I want to cut that one. I want to be first. I want to go put myself over there. I, everybody know I can take a punch, so I, I want to go to there if I want to take a punch. I'm going to be taken by throwers. I'm going to be the first one. Uh, so I just want to let it go, man. I'm be holding. I'm be sitting too much and waiting for the big punch, which is consequence of of my pro debut. I knocked the guy out, so everybody start to say I'm a knockout artist and I I got that power. That thing get in my head. I say, well, I'm just going to sit and wait, and if I touch you, you're going down. So guys start to get more smart right now. They they stay away from my right hand. They stay away from my kick. I gotta force the issue. My next fight, I have to go forward and force it. So it's not so much a uh, a technique issue. It's more of 
uh, your mindset of what your strategy is going to be, and that's being more aggressive, and that's being more straightforward, uh, like like you were early on. I got you, dude. Completely understand. Exactly. Um, like, yeah, it's, a, it's the mindset game. The, it's, this is the sport is a lot of mental, man. People, uh, I I won the first fight, and uh, suddenly uh, uh, everybody know who I am. So they give you a, a different. Responsibly, like I don't know. You you see the fight different. I don't want to lose. I don't want to get knocked out in front of everybody. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, give me. I almost fight to not lose. I, I hate that. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to fight to win. Sure. If I, if I lose in the process, it is what it is. But I don't want to go down there thinking that oh shit, I can lose. Yeah, no, I completely. You're preaching to the choir, my friend. So away from away from fighting and training, what are some things you like to do outside of the cage? What are some things you like to do to relax, to have fun? You know, that are completely unrelated to fighting. Do I'm just sitting home with my family. I have a beautiful daughter, a beautiful wife. We, we we sit at home and we watch movies all day, and and you know that I like to eat. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't, don't talk about food yet. That's actually my next question. So let, let's, stick to, yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's but, stick to this one for yourself. So you're a big but, movies uh, guy? Uh, yeah, other than, than, than fight, just sit and watch a movie and TV shows with my family. Very cool, dude. Uh, so, yeah, so, yes, now we have careened our way in round nine, which, which you are gonna, is where I always bring up food questions. So uh, you like to eat. I love to eat. A lot of my listeners, we all love to eat. We're big foodie culture over here on MMA Twitter. So... When it's time, the fight is over. The fight is passed. You've already cut your weight. The, the pressure is off. It's time to celebrate. It's time to really dig into your favorite dishes. What are you getting and where are you getting it from? I always, I mean, normally we are, we are in different states and different places, but I always, after the fight, I had to get pizza and beer, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> always. My, co my coaches already know. They already got the beer in the fridge. They already know. No matter what, we don't lose. We got a pizza and beer. <laughs> I'll tell you what we talk about this every week with the different fighters uh, it's wings and beer is probably number one and pizza and beer is probably second yeah. I don't know what it is it's hard to articulate or explain but cold beer after a fight is just it hits differently bro it, it, it's different that yeah especially because you 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 cut them from from for six eight weeks I mean uh, to me it would be like 12 weeks I do no alcohol, so when you when you're done fight, the first thing you want to do is that nice cold beer. <laughs> Dude, I couldn't, I cannot agree with you more, and I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just so good. So Jorgen, <laughs> uh, can we can we get your socials, bro, so we can know how to follow you, how we can keep tabs on the Mad Titans career? So your Twitter, if you have IG or any other socials, can you go ahead and share those with us so we can follow you along and for the rest of your career? Yeah, the mine is it's all the same, man. Is I keep it simple. Is Jorgen De Castro, Instagram and Twitter and, and Facebook, all the same. Fantastic. So the trifecta of Jorgen De Castro on Facebook, Twitter, yeah. and Instagram. So folks, let's go ahead. Let's all make sure everybody in the round again. Let's follow Jorgen. Could not be a nicer guy outside of the cage. Could not be more of a killer inside. We are so glad you joined us today, Jorgen. We have finished all ten rounds, and you were just a pleasure to have on, man. I can't thank you enough. Thank you very much. We we got we got to set up a, a a pizza and beer menu, my man. Yes, yes, dude, absolutely. <laughs> I'm so down for that. Um, so yeah, bro. Uh, if you don't mind, we'll we'll call you. Uh, we'll call you and see if we can schedule you again after your next fight and check back in with you and see how things have been going. If that's all right with you. Absolutely, my man. My pleasure. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Hi guys, this is Jorgen, the Mad Titan, the Castro. I just went ten rounds with Rhino.
Wow, I really got to give Jorgen a huge debt of gratitude for coming on the show today. What an outstanding interview. What a great guy to talk to. I know we're a full audio show, but if you had seen this guy smile and laugh and have as much fun as he did during the uh, conversation, you'd fall in love with him too. I mean, what a great guy. I really hope he can turn it around on his next fight in just a couple of months, uh, nine weeks out, I think we are, give or take, uh, for his next fight in the UFC. So, yeah, huge, huge fan of Jorgen DeCastro, the Mad Titan. Thank you so much again. So I really, really appreciate it. Uh, I definitely want to give shout outs to everyone who uh, represented today for the Rhino Gang in the Q&A, APB, Raise the Sweet Potato, my homie Doc, Jim Asun, Juice, Dave Fretz, D. Kranz. Thank you guys so much for participating this week. Definitely want to give some more shout outs to the Rhino Gang, Brat, Lanta, Angel from Shark Division, Pokemama, Mr. B, Scott Nolan, who I'm sure has a very busy day plan uh, for to watch his bucks in the Super Bowl. Miss Fight Diva, Mike G and Kairos from Shots Fired, all the homies of the MCCI, my girl Shaylin, Sin City Sarah, just the Scream Queen Supreme, my boxing brother Marquise from Week Sauce Radio, Shannon, Steffi Bundy, Cat, both beautiful Pamela's, uh, my homie and Unmatched Pod, Trouble. Ashley the MMA nerd, everyone else in the Rhino Gang, thank you guys so much for being a part of this show week in and week out and for all your wonderful feedback. Of course, to Dave D. Reigns, the best engineer in the biz, Drea, my Triple D, the backbone of this operation. Everybody, thank you so much. Be safe out there. We're going to get through this Times Matter, and we will see you next week. Case time.